Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is the show where we share cutting-edge strategies and acquiring leads and sales for your business through traffic. But today is all about follow-up and speed to lead an AI. Kasim Aslam, I'm pretty excited to have this guy on today's show. How you doing, buddy? I'm living the dream. How you doing, Ralph? Yeah, we're good. We're good. There's a disclaimer because I don't know if I asked you this in the pre-record, but I believe you're a customer of our guest who is going to be talking today. Ralph, I'm not just a customer. I'm the fourth highest ranked affiliate for high level, or at least I was at one point. I think I've since been usurped and or dethroned, mm -hmm. but I've sold the daylights out of this damn thing. And I'm a super fan, dude. The guy we're about to talk to is probably at the risk of pandering. I think he's the most engaged founder I've ever known. He's got 10,000 plus customers, probably more, I bet now. That's years old data. And he's still inside of the Facebook group answering support ticket, ticky tack bullshit. What he needs is a handler. Like he needs people to protect him from himself because I don't know what he's doing. It feels so far beneath his pay grade, but at the same time, it's how he keeps his finger to the pulse. It's why the product moves as quickly as it's moved. I think it's the most disruptive system in all of marketing. And if you're a CMO, a director of marketing, an agency, an entrepreneur, you have to know this thing exists because there's nothing I've seen more robust. And I'm not giving you my affiliate link. I'm not selling it to make money. I'm selling it because I've never seen anything that can do so much. Like you say, Ralph, it's the little hinge that swings the big door. It's a lot of hyperbole in there, actually. And good use of the word usurp, by the way, in the first 30 seconds of the show. So I just want to get that out there that Casa is a shill for this guy. But not in a bad way, because what we're going to be talking about here is the stuff I find just conceptually, not even the company that he runs. He's co-founder of High Level. Obviously, we're talking about Sean Clark here, which we're going to intro in just a second. It's all the stuff that's important to the business that they don't really care about until somebody like a Sean Clark or High Level actually comes along and shows them the error of their ways. I always go back to this, and this is a probably an overused example. But one of my first Facebook ads clients was a virtual accounting service. They did bookkeeping accounting. I was doing amazingly well. I got them 3,000 leads in less than, I think it was six months. Name, phone number, email, a bunch of other information on like a seven form field. And I was fired after three or four months because I asked them, all right, well, I got all these leads for you. Like you guys must be just rolling in it. And they had none of the stuff that we're going to be talking about here today. That, I think, is where so many businesses go wrong. They maybe even listen to this show, Kasim. The name of this show is about traffic, and traffic is sexy, and it's cool, and there's all kinds of tips and tricks and hacks. When, in fact, if you really want to grow a business, you actually sometimes have to talk to people and follow up with them in a humanistic way. We're going to be talking about, obviously, what Sean does for a living here. 
through high level, but just the concept of it, if you can shift your focus, if you're a CMO, director of marketing, either watching or listening to this show, it is not all about traffic. It's all about the follow-up sequences. And obviously with the changes that we have right now with AI, it makes it even more interesting. So without further ado, you can sense our excitement here Kasim, maybe a little bit over the top. I'm going to have to bring you down a little bit. I know you love this guy. There's a lot of like bro love hanging here, I think, on today's it's, show. I, it's a little stalker. It's a little stalker, weird. Yeah. So if that turns you off, I don't know, go listen to the HubSpot podcast or something like that. But today <laughs> we're going to be talking this stuff. So welcome to Perpetual Traffic, Sean Clark. Hey, nice to be here. Thanks for having me. He's like, uh, what do I say next? Yeah. Uh, so, that an awkward intro. Yeah, awkward intro. Kasim, <laughs> yeah, we're just like pushing it all out there. So with every guest that comes on Perpetual Traffic, there's a lot of stuff that you know and do on a regular basis, but give the PT listener a little nugget, something they can implement today that'll make a big difference in their business. Absolutely. So missed call text back. How many times have you called a business and they didn't pick up the phone? All the time. And then what do you do as a consumer? You call their competitor, right? Down the list. So, so how about this? Make it so that next time when somebody calls your client and they don't pick up and text them back and says, hey, we're on the call with another customer right now. We'd love to help you. Would you like to book an appointment? Would you like to book an estimate? Guess what you'll do? You'll save that person and you'll be able to actually automate the next step and get them to book an appointment and your customers will love you for it. And it's incredibly simple today. That's really brilliant. That's enough value for most people to pay your bill every month just for that one thing. Now, there's obviously a service that you offer that can do that. There's lots of vendors that do that. But the idea is find one. If you're missing those calls, and it doesn't matter who you are. So if it's notorious is like trades industry, the plumber, the electrician. I just met with my electrician today, and I believe he actually has your system. I have to double check, but if he doesn't, he should. Point is, he does respond. They do have an actual answering service so that it's not missed calls. But for a lot of people, they feel like, all right, I'm too small to be able to do this. I'm a one-man show, or maybe I have an admin, or my sister is answering the phone for me. How do you do it so that it's economical for those types of business owners, which do listen to the show here? That's why you need to use software, right? So you need to have software that can see that call coming in. It knows whether or not it was answered. And then if you didn't answer it, it just sends off a text. That's simple. It's very easy to do these days. And it's incredibly effective. And quite frankly, the funny part is for most people, they don't want to actually call anyways. And when you text them, they're thrilled to find that's an option because they're not calling to ask you about your favorite color or what you think about the weather. Most of the time they're trying to get some piece of information, then make a purchase decision, right? Because I need my toilet replaced. I saw you on Google. You have good reviews. I just want to know if you can come out this week. That's all I'm calling for anyway. So if I could do that all over text, well, thank goodness. I got a thousand other things I got to do today. Absolutely. Super good point. We're going to be getting into all sorts of tips, strategies, and just the overall mindset of how important all of this is for your business on today's show with Sean Clark. So stick around. We're going to get into that right after this quick break. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear 
you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. And we're back with Sean Clark of High Level we are going to dive deep into the infrastructure that is serving traffic. And Sean, most of our episodes are about how do I get the traffic, which is probably, to be honest with you, a disservice to our listeners because there's such an important aftermath when it comes to serving traffic. And you've built an entire, what would I call it? An ecosystem. It's not even just a SaaS product any longer. It's an entire ecosystem meant not just for this, but I'd say especially geared towards serving traffic, nurturing, pipelines, funnels, et cetera. Curious, how many customers do you have? How many end users to your software? Ooh, I don't know that one, but I know end businesses, and that's half a million, so 500,000 businesses. So on average, they had two employees, that'd be a million users. A million users. Okay, 500,000 businesses, which I think qualifies as proof of concept. We're getting there. It's one day at a time. <laughs> yeah, it's a small country at this point, which is, dude, it's pretty cool. You got to be pretty proud of that. It's amazing, actually. What are the things, like, if you were to prioritize, and remember, we're talking to director, marketing, CMO, we're talking to people that probably aren't going to do it. They're going to point and they're going to say, hey, you go do this. So if we were to give them five punch list items to give to their minions to go execute on, which would they be and how would you prioritize them? Well, I think the vast majority of people are terrible at nurturing leads. So if you look at most people, they have leads. Even people who come to you and say, I need leads, have leads. Whether they know how to capture them correctly, whether they know how to really assign them to the right channels correctly, maybe that's stop number one, is just looking at their existing inflow and making darn sure that they are actually accounting for that. That's inbound phone calls. That's people coming to their website that they're not converting into a lead. So all those capture points, Capture, nurture, close. That's how I always think about it. Are we capturing everything? If not, that's step one. When anybody calls that business, we gotta know. When anybody hits that website for that business, we gotta know. When somebody goes to the Google My Business profile and takes an action, chats, something like that, gotta know. Facebook page, Instagram feed, gotta know. Most people have capture at some level and it's really there where most people fall off because agencies are great at spinning up more leads, even if they jump to things like, let's run an ad campaign. Tons of traffic coming in. They generally are good enough to put a form on a website. You're gonna get leads. It's what happens after that where everything goes to pot. Because from there, it's speed to lead. So somebody raises their hand and says, I'm interested in your plumbing services. 
you have five minutes or less to contact me and move me down the pipe or down the funnel if you really want me to convert. And most people leave that alone and that's where the failure occurs because the business owners are not set up to do this for themselves. You'd think they are, but they're not. What we need to do there is we need to automate and make that a seamless automatic transaction. You know what's funny is my experience with a lot of larger businesses is they seem to think that they've outgrown this problem. It's like, oh, I sell enterprise software solutions. I've got an ERP. I can call them back next week. I can get you on Monday. My response to that is like, no, people are people. Everybody's impatient. We're all in instant gratification mode. And I don't care what you're selling. Time is of the essence. Time kills sales. Not implementing this could double the efficacy of your traffic, if not more. Exactly. Easily. It works for everybody. You show me the biggest sales department in the world, and I'll show you that this will save you money in efficiency at a massive scale. Even if all it does is make it so instead of your 100 salespeople, you now operate like a 200-person sales department because all that initial outreach is automated. Right there, you're making tons of money. So this works for every size of business. But I think for the vast majority of people, it's really simple reach out to them and try to buy something from them and start the watch and see how long it takes. And most of them will fail that five minute test. And some of them will fail things like the 24 hour test. It's abysmal. But why that matters is because the data shows that the likelihood of closing that sale doesn't go down in a straight line. It's logarithmic. It it declines dramatically off the back of that five minute mark. It's on everyone if they want to make money to get back to those leads quickly. No, I might be stepping outside your realm of proficiency, but given how much access you have, have you noticed common denominators in the nurture? Because you can't just email and be like, do you want to buy? You want to buy? You want to schedule? Like, what are we saying? What's the narrative? How do you capture that attention and serve? Yeah, yeah. It's actually simple. It's sticking to yes or no questions. These are inbound leads, right? vast majority of them. And these people are really responding to something. And really what you want to do as an organization, whether it's a small business or a large business is almost always the same. You wanna get connected to that person via generally an appointment as the conduit, but you wanna get them booked on something. It's almost always the situation. And they might reach out with a very specific question. That's absolutely true. But your goal as an org is to get them on an appointment. It's always being simple. It's saying basically, do you wanna book an appointment now? Recognize them, say like, hey, I saw that you requested more information about X. Do you wanna book an appointment to talk about that? And it's the yes or no question that's important because human beings almost instinctually will answer yes or no questions uncommanded. Their brains will answer them. But if you go long, if you ask me my life story or to tell me that one time that I went on vacation, my brain falls apart and it just can't comprehend. You just don't get people to take action. We have buttons on websites that pop forms versus just showing forms, right? Because we know mentally it's like breadcrumbs. It moves us down the path. Same thing here. If I say, do you want to book an appointment? I say, yes, I've clicked that breadcrumb and now I'm moving my brain farther down the road of doing something you want me to do. When you fire back and say, great, here's a link to my calendar, grab a time that works for you or something like that, I'm way more likely to actually take the action and book the appointment. Dude, this is such a massive golden nugget for our listeners. And I think this applies to so many things in marketing. You want to make it binary. So I love stick to yes, no. And this could be true for service space, but I think this could be true for e-com too. If you've got a cart abandonment sequence, it's like, hey, I noticed she jumped ship. Just curious. Are you still looking for whatever? Yes or no? Are you still interested in? Do you want the large or the small? And it's so funny because it's so simple. If you keep it simple for people to respond, you keep the conversation going. Yeah. And everybody knows their product. E-com. Let's say it's a really expensive product. You might not lead with the buy. Buys are hard because it's a $20,000 purchase. But you might say, hey, would you like some more 
information on how this can be used like X. Hey, it's like an off-road vehicle. You wanna see how this can be used in mud, sand, and water? People are like, oh, that'd be great. You can yeah. automate the sending of that information. You're just trying to reel me in. The more you can keep me engaged, the more likely I am to make that purchase decision. Sean, for nurture, email's the classic tried and true, but you're using SMS pretty heavily too. SMS crushes it. SMS blows email out of the water like you wouldn't believe. Again, every product's different, but people want to conversate with other people, how we operate as a species. Because you text every day with people you know, you assume you can have a conversation with a person, which you can't, but you can also automate a lot of it and it's asynchronous in nature. So it's way more real time without being mm. interrupted. It's this beautiful mix of short, sweet, to the point messaging that feels real time or can be real time if I want it to be. But the second I have to go to a meeting or go someplace else, it's not interruptive like a phone call where I have to absolutely key my attention into it. But it's not an email where it's like, oh God, it's just on the stack of a gajillion things I have to go look at sometime later. The thing that terrifies me about SMS is compliance. Sure. I've got a friend who got a $150,000 bill from whoever it is that gives you those bills. It was nuanced. Like, yeah. oh, you didn't have this at this time. So does your system take care of that or is that on the provider? The problem is the laws do vary, but we provide a lot of advice here and it's not that hard. First of all, everyone should have an attorney if they run a business. So if you don't, go get one. They're actually unfortunately worth it. But the verbiage there is pretty standard. So you can have people opt in with very little risk there. From a compliance perspective, the TCPA violation stuff is super scary in the sense that it's very standardized. There's a big lawyer mill out there that goes after people, et cetera. But to be compliant is not that difficult. Just don't Google it and copy and paste. Hire an attorney real quick, have them give you the copy and then paste. I had a friend of mine give me the most amazing advice. She's a recovering attorney. And she said, the best insurance policy you can ever have is to go pay an attorney to review all your agreements. And she's like, it'll cost 1500 bucks. You could have 20 agreements and it doesn't take that long for an attorney to run through all of them. But what happens is if your agreements are ever called into question, that attorney has to defend the agreement one. Two, if the agreement is found porous or if you lose, you can sue that attorney's malpractice insurance. You're basically back buttressing your business with this attorney's malpractice insurance in a way, by extension, becomes your insurance. Absolutely. Definitely protect yourself. But the same could be said about email, by the way. There's a can spam act out there. So don't tell me that everybody's complying with that either. And you can still get sued for that. Oh, dude, people still do. Oh, 100%. That's an inherent risk in being in business. So if you're going to do it, do it right, regardless of the method. But I'll tell you, choose FMS every time because it'll fundamentally drive faster, better results. The conversion rates are much higher. Let's talk about the attorney niche for a second here, because I think it's a good example of a type of business that you all know a lot about and understanding where the pitfalls are, where things fall off. When someone in the attorney space, personal injury attorneys especially, come to you, where do you see the fall off? If you're looking at the type of customer that says, okay, I understand I'm not doing a good job with my follow-up but I don't know what to do. Where are the easy buttons we already talked about? The nugget that you mentioned to begin with, which is a great one, but where is the fall off to at least get somebody 80% there? Or what are the things that you see that you can make immediate impact? Well, the cool thing is that it's still the same place where the fall off occurs, but the solutions are getting better. It's always in speed to lead. First things first, how fast do you get back to your leads? You could ask your client that. It's kind of a joke though. They're going to lie to you because they're probably lying to themselves, but it's five minutes or less. And unless someone could prove that to you with data, they don't know what they're talking about. So it's always speed to lead. You have to automate this. There's no other answer. There's no human being on the planet 
unless that human being has no business and has no work and it's just getting started. And even then they'll still lose that battle because humans have to go to the bathroom, they have to eat food, they have to sleep. There's no way they can do it. You automate speed to lead. That's the first step in the process. And all we're saying there is you're reaching out, hopefully via text to that lead and you're saying, hey, we know you just registered or opted in on this offer. And in order to move you to the next step, we need to book an appointment with you. Now, we used to say that at that point, and this is still true, 50% of people will self-book off that flow. Do you wanna book an appointment? They'll say, sure, that sounds great. Machine learning knows, sure, that sounds great to yes. We'll pipe back, awesome. Here's a link to my calendar, grab a time that works for you. That's 50%. And while 50% for most people sounds bad, it's up from zero. 10 leads came in before you're getting zero, or maybe you're getting one, now you're getting five. We're crushing it for you. And you didn't have to do anything there. The automation does the whole thing. Now in the past, the other five out of 10 are gonna ask a really simple question. How much do you charge? Or have you won cases like this in the past? What we used to do is kick out to a human being at that point. Now we're open to this failure of humans again, where, oh, sorry, it's nine o'clock at night, you're asleep and you missed that. So that person got busy, called your competitor and you lost them. But now we've got AI coming in. We've all seen it in the news. We've all probably played with it ourselves in the playground. The performance of AI is stupendous when it comes to this. And because we can prompt it, we can also, on behalf of our clients, teach it to say really smart things to almost all of these questions. We're not providing legal advice, but we're giving the same answer that attorney would give anyways. And we're able to then extend that nurture process out and fill that gap. What we find is most people ask one question and then go right back to being willing to convert. In their mind, they have that one double check they need to do. Have you ever won cases like this in the past? Well, we already know the answer. The attorney's gonna be like, oh, of course, we've worked with 10,000 people and we've collected over $20 million. We see it on the billboards all the time. And then that person's like, okay. And now they're willing to convert. Well, AI can now fill that gap really beautifully and really take that five out of 10 to more like nine out of 10. That's really where we find ourselves today. So it's speed to lead. It's a overused yeah. expression that people have heard, but it's so absolutely vital. You're talking about five minutes. I've seen presentations where if you're not following up within 30 seconds, the drop off is even more dramatic. Oh, you're totally right. Zero seconds would be preferable because you have to always flip the equation and think from the consumer's perspective. They've just hit the button. They're waiting. They've said, go. And now the clock begins. If you're them, because you are them at some point in your own life, you're just freaking waiting around. The sooner you get someone to come back to you, the more likely you are to be excited about them and think that they could help you. This is an old stat, but a stat that I always go back to, especially with our sales team, as I say, you can increase your conversion 391% if you reach out to them with a phone call within the first minute of them filling in a form. I assume that sort of the SMS is the same sort of thing, if not probably greater. Even if it's higher now with SMS, you can 4X your effectiveness just by doing what you're talking about right here. And the quicker, the better. Yes. You promised them something in that you ask them to take an action. If you really think about it, you ask them to do something. And that something may be token in nature, filling out a form on a website, but at some point you ask them to take an action and they did what you asked them to do. Now you owe them something. So the faster you fulfill on what you said you do, the better you look. You look like you're fulfilling your promise. And back to the phone call, the reason phone calls are terrible is because A, I don't know who you are. I don't pick up calls from people I don't know. People don't do this anymore. You look at your phone and you're like, is that on my contact list? No. 
ain't answering. Sorry, sucker, because we're tired of taking phone calls from people we don't want. So that's done. Two, people do this now everywhere all the time. It's the middle of my work day. I am on yet another meeting I don't want to be on. So I'm over here in another browser tab filling out your form. I can't answer your call anyway. But what I can do is I can text message with you because I can hold my phone right down here below the monitor and look like I'm paying due attention while I sit here and just glance down and see, you know what? I did get a text from my pharmacy just now telling me my prescription is ready. I'll just let them know I'll be on my way. Right? So I can do that right now. That's what Kassim was just doing, by the way. I'm, I'm reading about AI-driven nurture. I'm coming up with good questions. Ask our guest, Ralph. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, I'm being an attentive so co-host. Yeah, so that's why, I mean, this is why SMS, and, and, and people just prefer it. I mean, we all prefer it. We'd rather, we'd rather if you're going to bother us, <laughs> bother us in a way that gives us the option of either connecting with you or ignoring you for now. All right, well, we are here with Sean Clark from High Level, and we're talking follow-up. And if you haven't gotten the bottom line for the first part of this show is the faster you follow up with a lead, the better. Whether it's three seconds, a minute, or five minutes, the faster, the better. There's our first concept. We're going to get into what you do after that and how you can use automation and even open AI. That is what we're really interested in finding out in the second half of the show. So stick around after this quick commercial break. You know why most agencies fail in the first 30 days? Well, they don't do the work beforehand. And they realize once they start managing ad accounts and doing all the things that working alongside businesses like yours in order to get you the results that you want, they waste a whole lot of time in the first 30, 60, 90 days and they're fumbling around in the dark. That's because they have not used what we do over at Tier 11, what we refer to as the strategic growth plan. Now, a strategic growth plan is a deep dive into what has gone on inside your ad accounts and your business with all the important financial metrics that you need in order to scale and grow. We analyze all that, come up with a plan that's 30, 60, 90 days out, and then we use that as our game plan once we start actively managing ads, once we start doing our creative research, once we start doing all our after-the-click extensive tracking on dev, but the plan is the key. And if you have an agency that is failing you right now, it's probably because they don't have a plan. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So get your strategic growth plan over at tier11.com. Hit the big pink button, fill out the application, and we'll be in touch with you of how we can help you scale and grow your business through getting more customers and increasing their lifetime value. That's all we do at Tier 11. Head on over to tier11.com. Get your growth plan today. All right. So we are back here with Sean Clark. Let's talk about follow-up. And everyone is talking about AI right now. Everyone's talking about chat GPT. Well, how does this help the follow-up for a business owner that doesn't have time to learn all this stuff? What's your take on it? How are you integrating it? What's your recommendations? We've integrated it natively with the platform because I think the way it gets done today, it is really a developer tool. I love that they have the playground. That's been awesome. If you're doing content generation, maybe you can copy and paste between stuff. But what we've done is both on the content generation side and this side is just natively integrated. So basically the idea is you can come in, you can train the model essentially, just tell the thing about yourself, your business hours and what you charge and this and that. And then you can pipe it into the conversation flow. So the idea is really simple. Lead comes in, chat goes out, people ask a question, the AI looks at it, 
If the AI can tackle it, it'll answer the question for you. Then it'll try to get that person to take the action that you want. Book an appointment, for example. How much training are y'all doing with the AI? Or maybe it's not you, maybe it's the agency. Is there a review process? That's the point. So the AI by itself is fine for all the generic stuff, but the not generic stuff is where the agency shines, where the business owner shines. And this is, I think, the most important part. Go back to the law one. It's really sensitive because there's two lawyers saying what they can and cannot say. They know what they can put on the billboard legally. So they need to have that same kind of control here. So we let you train the model relative to what you think is important. But again, even somebody who's a plumber, they have their way in which they would say it. We have this open text box or a thing where you can just give it all of that context and it'll use it for the answers. This might be too technical, Sean, forgive me, but let's say that the AI has responded to somebody's message and I don't like the way that they've responded. Can I isolate that specific event and then correct it? So it's like Pavlovian. You can go back in and you can re-prompt it in order to change that response. Dude, that's pretty cool. And what's cool about that is whoever trains the AI more. So like, let's say you have two agencies that both serve attorneys. One of them is monitoring and correcting the AI. The other one is not. Yes. A 1% departure every day. The agency that's training the AI actually has a product that they can go sell to multiple attorneys. This is the future of copywriting, in my opinion. It used to be like, who can write the better copy? Now it'll be like, who can train the AI better? It's just a different abstraction on the same concept because you're right. It is about who can create the prompts to get the AI to talk back in a way that feels better to the end user. I'd say we're not quite there yet. But it's not that far off either, right? I mean, we're talking like months. I think you could do it today, but this is the point I would have marketers take away. Like everyone in the future will have this automated AI concept somehow in their business or they won't be in business because it's just so radically powerful in its ability to respond quickly and accurately to what is most important at the beginning of that relationship, which is the generics. It's crazy. It's going to be table stakes to be in business. How much does AI scare you as a SaaS founder? I'm seeing people roll up full-on SaaS applications in a couple of hours. Is that a threat, you think, or you're just too heavily ingrained? All weapons of war are equally available. So if tomorrow we can rock through more code faster, we sure the heck will. But at the end of the day, even if I give someone the source code, there's a lot more running a business than having the source code. They'll have to spin up a couple hundred customer service agents, and they'll have to know all the agency folks. But the funny part is, we don't get our best ideas from AI. In fact, we don't get any ideas from AI. Well, our secret sauce is we steal all of our ideas from our customers. If you wanna stay ahead of the game, you better have customers like we do because this is the fun part about this, the way we do it anyways, is every day our customers are going out on the front lines and actually seeing how this stuff works and then coming back and saying, hey, I need this now, I need this to work like that. I know yesterday I needed this, but today it's gotta be like that. And then we just operate off that feedback loop and that's how we're able to innovate so quickly. Well, dude, this is the thing that made me fall in love with you guys so dearly and deeply. I'm gonna tell a story and I'm gonna bash actually a group that I'm not unfond of. I was a HubSpot user for a long time. Dude, I know more about HubSpot than most HubSpot support people. Like I was building automation three layers deep and I needed HubSpot's booking calendar to lead to a separate thank you page. 
in order to properly track conversions. Now, I'm not a software developer. I don't know how hard that is, but I don't think it's exceptionally complex, right? So it was giving me a confirmation message on page. I needed a new thank you page and I made a use case for it. I'm like a Google ads agency in order to use Google Tag Manager and properly track conversions and not lose 30% of the conversions. I don't need a Java pop. I need a separate thank you page. Sean, I swear to God, and I have the email string to prove this. It took 18 months. And they were so kind and nice and helpful. And they walked me through this remediation process and they had to like submit to the committee. And then three fifths of the Senate had to vote and they had to get a quorum. And then once they had confirmation, it had to go into the dev environment. And then after the dev, they had to like alpha test it, beta test it, theta test it, quantum physics test it. And then a year and a half later, I got my separate thank you page. We've asked y'all for so much shit. My CTO came to y'all and said, hey, we can't properly cookie the Google Ads things because this is that whatever. And it was like 48 hours later, somebody shipped the thing. And I was just like, these guys are insane. This actually feels irresponsible. I'm like, you can't make a change that fast. Dude, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable the speed at which you work. The difference though is A, we don't roll by committee. And B, we don't have a constituency of customers that is as broad. At our core of our business, we feel like it's disingenuous to sell to the average small business owner because to us, it's like, what if private jets were cheap and any idiot could go out and buy a jet? Well, any idiot can't fly a jet. <laughs> but every idiot tries. Every idiot <laughs> will try. Idiots will try. And in that case, lots of people just die and that would be terrible, which is good that they're probably not cheap. But in this case, I think what happens is the consequence is that those businesses either can't use the tool, use the tool poorly, and maybe they fail, maybe they don't, but no one dies and as a result, it never comes back to that. And so that's why these tools are continuously sold this way. We don't do that because we think it's wrong. Dude, that's brilliant. So because you have a higher tier user, you actually can provide higher tier functionality because that user is held to a higher degree of responsibility. Yeah, we sell planes to pilots. <laughs> there you go. We don't sell planes to, to people. And that's the difference. We see these things as insanely awesome tools that can be used to change the world radically for the people that they serve. But we respect the fact that they are complex enough to require a certain level of expertise in order to run them. Now, that doesn't mean that people who are business owners today can't achieve this, right? Just like everyone on this call, I guarantee you we could all eventually become jet pilots. You just can't do it by rolling out of bed in the morning. And that's the difference. And so we want to work with people we know have the capacity to truly create great outcomes for their customers. And that's all we sell to and all we serve. How do you screen that out in your sales mm. process? That's aspirational yeah, for a lot of companies, but still they're going to get, dare I say it, the Homer Simpsons of the world along with the Stephen Hawking's. You know what I mean? We put it in our messaging. We don't run ads to anybody outside of that vertical. We get called all the time by Capteras and the G2s and all this. We don't ever buy listings on any of that stuff. Can I tell everybody listening right now today, do not buy those freaking listings. They hold you hostage. And then if you ever cancel, all your good reviews get scraped. They're like little mini Yelps. I hate them. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. Little soapbox moment, Sean. Keep going. No, no, you're good. You're good. And then our customers going out to the world, we try to force them to white label so that they're never representing our product. They're representing their own product. And then from there, it becomes a one twosie. But as we're on with support, as we're on with setup teams and customer success and stuff, when we run into people, we stop them right there and we say, hey, no, 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 no. You need to go work with an agency. We send them out of house and we go send them to an agency that we know can either help them or we hope can help them. But we just let them know we're not the right place. This is too complex of a product for you. 
just some continue to sign up anyway. And yeah, when we find them, we say, look, this isn't going to work out for you or us. We're just going to let you know right now that you need to leave and we're going to cancel your account and you need to find an agency or you can keep your account, but we're still going to put an agency on your account because we can't help you. This is the other thing. We work with pilots, but we aren't pilots. We aren't marketers. We're software product people. So we aren't qualified and we never want to be qualified because we think that marketing is a real, legit, ever-changing thing that needs focus and attention. If every day you're not waking up to learn the latest techniques, understand how strategies are playing out in the real world, see where the future is headed, you're not qualified. We wanna make sure that we work with qualified people and have businesses do that because that's how they're gonna be successful. Let's not forget, we're not saying these business owners are a bunch of morons, we're saying they're super qualified, but at plumbing or being an electrician or being a lawyer, which is why we love them because that's what we want them to be great at. So you've never decided as a business to say, okay, we're gonna take somebody and do a full service, all backend offering. You will use your software as the backbone, but pair them with an agency and who can do that? All the time. Every time. That's who we are. This is a fun question, Sean, and an impossible one to answer, so we'll never hold your feet to the fire. But where do you see everything going with the proliferation of AI looking forward? And dude, you're a prognosticative cat. You've seen the trends before others. I remember talking to you around the time that you figured out this whole SaaSpreneur thing. You hadn't had that word yet. But you were like, everybody should be SaaS. And I remember even that, because I'm a dummy, I was like, I don't know if I get the vision there. And now I'm like, oh, holy shit, that's absolutely brilliant. What do you see on the horizon that our listeners can prepare for? Give us an unfair competitive advantage. It's weird. You can see that there's a bifurcation of AI, in my opinion. So there's the obvious easy thing. So like content generation with AI, that ship has sailed. There's no way that every piece of content that can be AI'd isn't AI at some level. That doesn't mean it's 100%, it writes it all, and da-da-da-da-da. No ideation, titles, clickbait, metadata. Take a stab at that, and then I'll go in and see what I don't like and change it. That seems to me like that ship has sailed. Image generation, that ship has also sailed. Again, it's not 100%. And actually, if you think about this, I don't think AI has to be demonstratively different in this regard than almost any technology. It seems to me like what is happening is the middle of the pack is getting pulled out by a lot of this tech. The people at the high end, the best chefs in the world will probably never be replaced by robots. Oh, in fact, I was going through the San Francisco airport recently and there's like a coffee robot there now. And I was like, gosh, how long until I go to the coffee robot and I don't go to the Starbucks? I think what's gonna happen, right, is the best coffee in the world will never be replaced by the coffee robot. But I darn well bet you that coffee robot is gonna get my money most of the time while I'm on my way to my next flight because it'll be quick, consistent, and reasonably good. I think AI is doing the same thing on the content front. I think it'll do the same thing on the image front. Now, there's cooler things. Have we seen where you can avatar people and create videos where it looks like they're talking and all of that? If that gets super easy, I could see that also being something that happens. That seems a little more sci-fi, but still possible. I saw a video. It was a Joe Rogan interview with a guy whose name I should know, and I don't remember it. And a supplement company changed the interview to make it sound like the two of them were promoting the company. It was brilliant. I'm sure illegal. It was unbelievable and looked and sounded like both. I saw a movie clip where this girl is saying like, we're stuck on this effing tower. Oh yeah, they changed the profanity. And then they're like, here's the PG-13. Oh, we're stuck on this flipping tower. 
And then they changed it to Spanish, right? And I can't speak Spanish, but then it was like, oh, in Spanish, sounds good to me. But that right there is gonna happen. Can it trickle down enough to make it easy enough for the average person to do it? It becomes a tool. So holistically, however it ultimately takes hold, it's just a tool, but it is a tool that's gonna stay because it makes the work of doing that thing that you did before easier. I don't think of it any differently than a chainsaw replacing a handsaw. Yeah, but dude, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of like the age of industrialization. You move from like artisans to assembly line and everybody's like, oh yeah, well, you know, people find other things to do. And I'm like, well, yeah, but you don't read Steinbeck enough. We had roaming bands of laborers combing the country, begging for work for like two decades. Is that what's going to happen to all graphic designers, all content creators, all video editors? You know, to your point where AI takes 80% of them on a long enough timeline, do we find stabilization and stuff for those folks to do? Yeah, but I mean, isn't there an entire generation of lost labor? I hate to use that word. There's an implicit assumption in what you just said. Will we eventually find something else for them to do? Probably. And there are two versions of this world. There's the Star Trek version where you either stay on Earth and you paint and your life is just cold up chill, like no one has any problems, no one dies of disease. If you ever look at those scenes where they're actually on Earth, they're like in really beautiful robes and they're just chilling. Or you go off and you explore the galaxy. Or it's like the Elysium version where they built like the rich people starship and if you're super rich, you just move up there and then everyone on Earth rots. I'm hoping for the Star Trek version. But you know, the reality is, is this is no different than any other industrial revolution. If it fundamentally helps move society forward and it's better for the average person, it's absolutely gonna happen. We should want it to happen. But the consequences of that are something that we do need to think about because it's not a hardworking graphic designer's fault that suddenly technology has replaced them. Right. Well, it's interesting. It's the first time that the white collar jobs have been so threatened so dramatically in such large numbers. That used to be the safe haven. It's like you get an education, you do something that can be done behind a desk and you're safe. And now and let's talk about an example that I think very few people argue against. Radiologists look at scans all day long looking for cancer. They save lots. AI can now best them like nine out of 10 times. Well, dude, it's like 99 out of 100, isn't it? It's actually stupid to let a human do it. So would anyone say that if they tomorrow get a radiology scan and AI can do a better job, are they going to say, no, thanks. I'd rather have a radiologist do it. Right. But didn't I just unemploy every radiologist? Well, if you're a smart radiologist, you're working on a business model to harness that. That's what it is. You need to own the AI. You need to be the radiologist that trains the radiology AI. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there will be those people, right? But, it, but, but that's one That's one person. That's one guy or a gal because the thing scales. AI scales better than SAS. I never thought anything could possibly scale better than SAS. No, no. It's great. And again, that's a great case where humanity should be served, right? Everyone should be better off for the fact that their radiology scans will more accurately detect cancer. Yeah, 100%. Sean, where can people find you? Definitely check out gohighlevel.com. That's exactly where you should find us. And also on YouTube, if you search high level, check our channel. We've got a lot of great content around all the stuff we're talking about. So you can actually see it in real life. I feel like I'm the voice of reason here. I'm just looking for the radiologist that's just going to invent the AI so he can unemploy all the $800,000 a year salaries and lower overall healthcare. See, there you go. That is the hope, right? So definitely check out Sean and connect with you on LinkedIn. Is that a good place for people to connect with you? LinkedIn, Facebook Messenger, whatever works for you. Yeah, absolutely. So make sure that you do subscribe and leave a rating wherever you're listening to this show and let us know what we can do better over at perpetualtraffic.com forward slash better. Follow myself, Ralph Burns, on LinkedIn and Kasim at Kasim Aslam on Twitter. 
go back and listen to previous episodes and we will leave links and show notes to how you can connect with Sean and high level over at perpetualtraffic.com. On behalf of my awesome co-host, Kasim Aslam. Peace. Until next show, see ya. Bye, everybody. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic 